the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Glad that each one of you is here this morning. Continue on our journey through the book of Acts in chapter 10 today again. Acts chapter 10. Okay, last week we did a bit of a review because it had been a couple months since we'd been consecutively in the book of Acts with our missionaries and guest speakers, and then Beth and I were gone for a couple weeks. Um, So we did a bit of a review, chapters 1 through up to 10 where we were, and and again, to start off today at the end of chapter 9, we were talking about the three great miracles. Well, the first one is in verse 32 to 35, that was a great miracle. With, with the lame man being healed, and then the next section was a greater miracle. Uh, Peter raised, well, Peter didn't raise Dorcas from the dead. God used Peter to accomplish that, but it was in the power and in the name of Jesus that Peter was able to, to raise Dorcas. And then as we look at chapter 10, the greatest, so we had the great, the greater, and the greatest miracle, and the, the greatest miracle is salvation, God's plan to us, as Peter takes the word to uh, Cornelius and his his uh, family, and his even more than his family, uh, his what do I want to say those around him. I don't know how quite big the group is, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But uh, he had a group of people ready to to hear the word. Now, just uh, just a brief overview again, verses uh, in chapter ten, one through eight. There was a certain man at. Uh, Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort. So he was a he was a soldier that had responsibility for a hundred men underneath him. And I don't know how many of you are familiar with the military. You have in, in all the branches of our service, you have the officers and you have the enlisted. And and I was an enlisted guy in the Air Force, and so of course we always have the jokes and and the stuff, and and they have little pictures of a little boy leaning on a dog, and it and it shows that the the dog is the enlisted guy, and the the, the little baby leaning on the dog is the officer, and and that the 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 NCOs and the enlisted corps was was all the ones that held them up. You're not you're you are you saying I'm wrong, or you you can't believe I'm saying this up here? Oh, okay, okay. Oh, that's all right. I'll you know. But did, did you not rely on your enlisted guys? Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a lot more enlisted than there is officers because the enlisted are the grunts that, that actually do the work, okay? Since, since you stuck it out there, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it here. Um, but that's kind of almost the type of relationship um, that, that you saw with the centurion was, was that it was on a more personal level, whereas you went up the ranks, uh, you would have um, six to eight centi- uh, centurions and so groups, that six to eight groups of 100 soldiers in a, in a uh, cohort, 
And then the cohorts would go up to like a battalion size and it just got bigger. And in the higher ups, okay, as you go up, just by nature of the thing, don't know the individuals down in the, in the, the, the centurion groups, the, the smaller groups. And so the centurion is, is not, I don't want to say a father, but maybe a father figure to, to those soldiers underneath him. And it's a more, uh, on a personal level, more of a personal understanding of, of who is what. And we'll see this as we, as we continue on in chapter 10, the relationship that Cornelius had with the soldiers that were underneath him. But verse 2, he was a devout man, the one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. And, and, and there, were, there were Jews that were not this devoted to God. I mean, this, this guy... Um, from, from what it says about him here, um, if, if you have a, a young daughter, this is the kind of guy you want her to bring home someday, okay? This is the kind of guy that, that is upstanding and has a good reputation among the people. That, that um, Not just because he says and does all the right things, but because he's, he's a genuine person. He's a devout person who wants God, God to be part of his life and to be part of who he is. You know, we say if you squeeze a, you know, you squeeze a Christian, they should bring out God, God-like stuff. Not, not, you know, if somebody, if somebody punches you in the nose and you react negatively, well, yeah, it's going to hurt, but how, how do you respond to that? Or how do you respond to when people talk bad about you or gossip about you? How, how, how do you respond to that? Do you respond Christ-like, or do you respond as someone in the world would that doesn't care about what God thinks about them or what God has, that God would have any part of their life? How do you, how do you respond? Well, this guy feared God with all his household. And we told you when we read in Psalm 103 to remember that word fear, and if you remember, I won't turn to it this morning, but we talked about it in the past, Psalm 19, talking about the precepts of the Lord, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And in, um, no, I'm going to have to now because I'm not going to remember enough of it right off the top of my head. Sorry. Psalm chapter 19. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They're more desirable than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. But the fear of the Lord is clean. And this is what we're talking about. This, this man, this uh, centurion Cornelius, feared God. And, and we talked about before that that, that that fear is a reverential respect for God and who he is and what he stands for. But on the, the, the negative side of it, it's a positive, but it's on the negative side, is, is talking about the hatred for evil. There's the love for God in, in that fear and being a reverential respecting of God, but there's also the hatred of evil to, to, to push that away, to, to not let that be named among us, to not let that be who, who when, when people think of you in the workplace, what do they think of? People think of you as a neighbor. What do they think of? 
Do you, do you draw them to think of God? Or does your life live in such a way that, that you're, you're not pushing evil away, but you're, you get the picture? Who, who are you in, in, with your fear of God? Do, do, you, do, you talk, okay, do, you, do you walk the talk and do you walk the walk? We say that you talk the talk and you walk the walk, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Okay? We say a picture's worth a thousand words. Your actions speak louder than your words, okay? And so what, what does your neighbor see you as? What does the person at school see you as? What does the, the person in the grocery store see you as when you start yelling and screaming at, the, at the, the stock clerk because this isn't on the shelf for the third time in a row that you've been to the store? Oh, come on, Pastor, that's silly. Nobody does that. Ha! Moving on. Verse 3. About the ninth hour, he saw a vision. We talked last week about the angel coming to him. And the, uh, it's, it's interesting what the angel said and what the angel didn't say. But in verse 4, Cornelius looks at the angel and he's alarmed. And he said, what is it, Lord? And he says, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying at a certain tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. Did the angel tell Cornelius why? To send, why he, he should send for Peter? Did he, did he tell him that, you know, Peter was going to bestow this great gift upon him or he had words of wisdom for him? No. He, he didn't tell Cornelius why to do this. He just told him to do it. And because Cornelius had a respective fear of the Lord and understood that this angel was a messenger from the Lord, he did what he was told to do. Even though he didn't know what the end result was going to be, he didn't know why or, or what it was going to look like when it happened, when, he got, when Peter got there. He just obeyed and did what he was told to do. Angel departed. Didn't say he waited a couple of weeks thinking about it. When the angel departed, he immediately summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were in constant attendance upon him. And after he explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now they might have said, why? Okay, we're going to go get this Peter guy, but what, what's the purpose? What, you know, is he going to give us some insight and in, in what stock's trading the best in the stock market right now, or what, why? No, no reason, Didn't, weren't told. Just trust God, obey him, do, do what he tells you. Okay. On the, on the new material today, verse 9. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, about noon. And he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. Okay, now I've heard, you know, there's that new term. You've heard about people being hangry, okay? Because you're so hungry, you become angry because you're irritated, you, want, you, you need food, you're hangry. I don't know if this guy was in a, a maybe he was hungry, I don't know. He got so hungry, he fell into a trance anyhow. Have any of you been that hungry before? I mean, 
It's almost like you passed out or something, I don't know. But I, I think it was a very divine appointment that, that Peter had with the Lord, and that's why he fell into the trance. It wasn't just something that just happened to him. But at least he wasn't hangry. He was just hungry. He beheld the sky opened up and a certain object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. And again, a voice came to him a second time, What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. And this happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now, we see, we've already seen the number three so many times in here, but it's just interesting uh, to think of Peter. We think back to, to uh, Matthew, to now, there we go, Matthew 26. When, when Peter, denied, the Lord said to Peter that you're going to deny me three times, Peter said, no, ain't going to happen, Lord, no way. I, I'll, I'll die before that happens. And within hours, he was listening to the cock crow and realizing that he had denied Christ three times. Anyhow, the number three is here again. Immediately, the object's taken up to the sky. That um, says, okay, this happened three times. When I was, when I was in high school... Um, I always loved to brag. I was in the top ten of my graduating class. Yeah. <laughs> there was ten in my class. <laughs> oh, well. At least I made the top ten, right? <laughs> I wasn't a rocket scientist, but I wasn't a bag of rocks either. But the, the best way, I, and this might work for you, other people, you know, everybody has their own ways to study and things that work for them that click. Some are visual, some are audio, whatever. I would simply, when it came, like, final, final exams were in two weeks. I'd take all my notes home for all my classes, and once a night, I would just read through them. Didn't try to memorize the lists, didn't try to memorize all the points and whatever. I would just read through that list once. And it, and it would probably take, you know, semester's notes. It would take me an hour per, per class. And, you know, so maybe some nights I didn't get all the classes in. But I'd spend several hours a night just, just reading, just reading through. Not giving myself a headache, just reading the material night after night after night. And, and that's how what worked best for me was just the repetitiveness. Well, obviously, Peter needed at least three times here. I needed more than three. But Peter, Peter needed three, okay? And um, let's see. The sheet came down from heaven, and in everything that was unclean to a Jew, the Lord is saying, this is now clean. And, and I, I'm sure that, I, I don't know if Peter th thought, wondered if the Lord was really tempting him to eat these things that were unclean because they had always been unclean to the Jew. And, and it's kind of like, okay, is the Lord challenging me here to see if I'll be faithful and not eat these? Or, or does he really want... And, but then when the voice came the second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. So obviously we're seeing, seeing a shift or a change here. 
uh, a change in the way that God is going to operate and God is going to work through Peter. Verse 17, now while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to the vision which he had seen. Okay, Peter was perplexed at what he had seen. When, when we study God's word, when we're saying, God, how does this apply to my life? How, how, how do you want to change my heart through this? How do you want to change me to be more like you? I think it's okay to be perplexed. I think it's okay sometimes to be confused and not understand. We, we, and, and we're going to look in verse 19. It says, while Peter was reflecting on the vision, and we often quote Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. How often do we slow down and know that he is God and pay attention and and. This was a good week. Tuesday, I had the privilege of going to Nagani. Um, Ken Floyd, who is the MARBC, the Michigan Association of Regular Baptist Churches representative, um, is retiring in December. He's, he's been, after he was a pastor for 25 years, he's been the MARBC rep for 16 years in the state of Michigan. So it was kind of like pastors getting together, farewell, but we also had the chance to listen to him speak. And in... Um, he, he talked about this, about reflecting. He says, when, when is the last time that you just sat and thought about this or that? When is the last time you just sat and, and meditated on the thought of what God has done for you through the plan of salvation, through uh, the forgiveness of your sins, or if you want to make to a more broad, just daily how he has provided for you and how he takes care of you. When is the last time that we just sit and meditate on God and who he is and what he does? And Peter here is reflecting. He's perplexed. He, he doesn't understand everything about it because it's new. It's a different concept to him. His whole life and for generations before him, is, is, and we talk about 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, that, that faithful men will be able to pass on to the next generation. Well, his family had, had been passing on for generations that this is how we live, and this, you don't eat these things, and you do eat these things, and this is how we do it. And all of a sudden, in a, in a vision, it, it might have taken me 33 times, more than three there, to, to get that, to, to understand that. And so he's perplexed. He's not sure why God had him see this vision in this trance. And now he's reflecting on it again, trying to figure it out. And it says, and when, when we take the time to slow down, when we take the time to meditate on God's word, when we take time to let it soak in and permeate, Okay, you think when we when when um, Beth makes fajitas, if she can do it the night before or even the morning of, and let the fajitas marinate all day in the sauce, they are so much better than if she mixes it all together and throws it right on the the griddle or the skittle, whatever, to cook them. It's it, when when it marinates. When it soaks and it sits and it permeates every piece of that meat, oh, making myself hungry. 
It is so much better. And in our spiritual lives, if we will let the Holy Spirit help to let the the Word of God in our meditations marinate and soak in and permeate who we are, can't help but think that we will be so much better and more a fragrance of worship to the Lord in, in who we are. One of the things, and just thinking back to public speaking, a uh, college course, um, I've always enjoyed talking. I've always enjoyed talking in front of people. I'm not funny, and I've learned that, and when I try a joke, it always goes crash, but I still enjoy talking in front of people. And to sit in a college class, and I was a little older then, it was when I was in the Air Force, and and watching these young 18, 19-year-old kids that are out of high school, and maybe they did or didn't have speech class in high school, but watching them just sweat it out, and it's like that, and oh, guys, just relax, you know, have fun with it, just just relax. Well, that's easy for me to say, but it wasn't necessarily so easy for them. And now what was my point for all of that? hate when that happens. Somewhere there was a point there. Okay. Turn, turn with me real quick to Micah. This is, a, I'm sure, a, a familiar voice, to, voice, verse to a lot of you. Some of you may even have it memorized. Micah 6 8. Oh, that's what I was, that's why, that, that was my point. Is that when you're, when you're standing here in your, in your preaching, and I pause to look at my notes, five seconds can seem like a minute. And, you know, 20 seconds can seem like five minutes. How, how is that when we're with God? When, when we just meditate and, and are silent, does it hurt your ears when there's no noise? Does silence hurt your ears? I told, I told my kids as they were growing up, your generation always has to have something going. It always has to be music. There has to be something in your ears. There, there, there's got to be, you're, you're constantly, and, and you never... Slow down and stop and meditate. Now, to me, when I was in speech class, I, it, I, I loved to pause because you could see the look in the people's eyes was like, oh, no, he froze. He froze. He can't think of what he was trying to say. I was like, no, I'm pausing for effect here. It's, it's, it's for a reason and a purpose. And when we're spending our time with our Lord, the pause will be for a purpose, and it can be effective. If we just stop and meditate on the Lord. My, um, Micah 6.8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, to love mercy or kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Well, what's God's will for my life? I don't know what to do. Well, you start right here. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. In verse 26 in Acts 10, coming up in a few minutes, we're going we're gonna to see somebody who didn't walk humbly with God. But Peter, 
He's perplexed in his mind as to what this vision means. He's reflecting on the vision and this, and, and, and when we're silent and when we, when we marinate in the word of God, we allow time for the Holy Spirit to speak for us. And Peter here in verse 19, Acts 10, 19. This, and while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Arise, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent, my, sent them myself. Peter went down, Behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man. Wouldn't that be great to put on your epitaph or on your gravestone? This guy was a God-fearing man. Oh, that'd be the best thing you could write on mine. I pray, I pray that it's true and that I'll never fall short of that. But a God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to bear a message, or to hear a message from you. Verse 23, so he invited them in and gave them lodging. If, if you'll flip back just real quick to um, chapter 9, verse 43, we talked about this. It came that he stayed many days in Joppa with a certain tanner named Simon and how a tanner worked with dead animals and so was always unclean. So the fact that, that Peter would stay with a tanner was a sign that, that there was some spiritual growth going on in Peter's life, that he wasn't uh, shunning or discriminating against somebody. Here's another, another point to it in verse 23. He invited them in and gave them lodging. Here are some Gentiles that he is inviting into his home. That Previously, they were to have nothing to do. So already we start to see that, that Peter is getting a little bit of understanding what the vision was about. That the gospel was to go to what was previously considered by the Jews, the, 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 the dirty Gentiles. We'll just leave it there. On the next day he arose and went with them, and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Why, why did some of the guys from Joppa go with him? This is not a rhetorical question. Go ahead and answer me, if you, if you have an idea. Why, why do you, and there's no wrong answer here. Unless you're going to say they wanted to go win the lottery or something. That's a wrong answer. But um, why, why did these guys from Joppa go with Peter? Yeah, why did they go with Peter to Joppa? What's that? Okay. They, they were believers. Yeah, um, they were believers and wanted to hear what he had to say. Yeah, exactly. Both, both spot on. Exactly right. How? When did that have been exciting to, to be there when Peter? In, in, and we're not going to get to it today. So you're going to have to come back next week to see what that woo was about. Okay. All right. Let, let's let's get a little further along so we can get closer to that for next week. Uh, the following day, he went uh, went to Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends which I'm sure some of the close friends were, were probably some of that hundred cohort or uh, the, 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 the soldiers that were underneath him. But how cool is that? This man wanted others to know about Jesus. So he, he has this vision of the angel and says, send for this guy, Peter. Peter comes, and, and they're waiting. They're waiting. He's got a group of people, he's got relatives, he's got friends that he wants them to hear 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants them to hear the truth. It came about when Peter entered Cornelius, met him, fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised, raised him up. I don't know if the guy was an old guy, but it was, it was kind of cool. You can, you can just see Peter reaching down and helping him up. Stand up. I too am just a man. How many times in the book of Acts already have we seen Peter say, in the name of Jesus? In chapter 3? In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walk. And then again, and several more times between there and now, in chapter 10. Peter did not want to take any of the glory to himself. Think back to Nehemiah when we studied that book a couple years ago. Nehemiah said, these, these are God's hands at work. It's not us getting this work done, it's God doing the work. That, that, that addition that we put on, God accomplished that, God did that, not us. God used us to accomplish that, but God is the one that did it. There's a fellow in Daniel chapter 4. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. And he's out walking on his balcony one night, looking at the stars and looking around at his kingdom. And he said, man, am I great. I am big stuff. And what happened for the next seven years? God God even told him it was going to happen. He warned him a year before. Don't get arrogant, Nebuchadnezzar, because what you have is because of me. Nebuchadnezzar says, oh no, it's all about me. I am so great. For seven years, he, he, he crawled on the ground and ate the grass like cattle. And he basically lost his mind. Because he didn't give God the glory for what God had done in his kingdom. It was, you know... <laughs> Told him a year before. Now, see, if I'd had a year warning that I was going to do some really, I wouldn't have done it. I'd have made sure I didn't do it a year from then, right? Yeah, no, probably not. I'd have probably been just as stupid as Nebuchadnezzar. But Peter, right here, man, don't worship me. I'm a man just like you. Get up. What this is, is this is about the name of Jesus. We sang about the name of Jesus this morning. Name above all names. He is to be exalted. Peter says, not me. No, don't do that, man. That's, that's bad stuff. Get off your feet. Or excuse me, get off your knees and get on your feet. Stand up. As he talked with them, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or visit him. But God... There's another one of my, my but gods to add to my sermon list on the but gods. And, I, you know, and that makes me think, okay, of Joseph, another one. <laughs> the but god. Joseph's brothers came to Egypt to get some food. And, and through the games back and forth, eventually Joseph tells them who he is. And he says, brothers, you meant it for bad. You meant to kill me. You meant to sell me, get rid of me. You wanted nothing doing with me. But God. God has a reason and a purpose. Joseph gave God the glory. Joseph didn't say, see me, guys? I'm number two in the land. I'm so good, I rose up to that all on my own. No. He acknowledged that God was at work in his life and that God was at work in their lives and in the nation and and God was using the the, uh, 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 
ruler from a, a land that didn't acknowledge God from Egypt to put him in a position to, to carry out God's will. It's about God, Joseph said. Here Peter is saying, it's about God. I came without even raising any objection. Of course not, because God told him to go. When I was sent for, I asked, for what reason you sent me? And Cornelius said four days ago, and, and we've already heard the story about the angel, and says, send here. So I sent immediately for you, and here you are. Verse 34, and opening his mouth, Peter said. Going to have to come back next week for what Peter said. Now nah, I don't want to. I, I, I'm dying to tell you what the <laughs> is about, but you'll have to come back next week for that. I'm, I'm sitting here arguing with myself to to tell you so that you don't hang in suspense all week. But go ahead and hang. Be in suspense. What do you... Okay. <laughs> the, the, the quote that I keep using from Paul Tripp about your heart. The, the song of your heart. When you weigh a lake at night, lay awake, wake up. When you wake up at night and can't fall back to sleep. Or when you lay down to go to bed and you can't fall asleep. What song comes into your head. We know Matthew 12 and 15 and Luke 6 talks about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Well, what, what song is playing in your heart? What, what controls your heart? What do you marinate? What, what do you soak in? If we squeeze you, what song, what song are we going to hear squeak out of, your, squeak out of you if, if we squeezed you? Hopefully it's a, a worshipful song. Hopefully it's a, a song of praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because what's in there is what's going to come out. What are you soaking in? What are you... Verse 19 there, as Peter was reflecting on the vision. What are you reflecting on? This is a purposeful silence, okay? I didn't forget what I was going to say this time. What's in your heart? Who controls your heart? What is your song? I, I, I don't know if I shared this here. I shared it with somebody in the last week or two. But when I'm laying in bed at night... And, and I'm just thinking about stuff I got to do and this and that, and and there's no song there. When I stop and realize that there's no song there, that scares me. It's like God, give me a song, give me a song, so that I can focus on you and praise you and not worry about this, not worry about life, not worry about family issues, not worry about church issues. But just to focus on you. Where's my song? Oh God, give me a song. And then he does, and I'm thank goodness it's not gone. 
Thank you for the song that I can reflect on, that I can marinate in, that I can soak in. So that if you squeeze me, hopefully that's the song that will come out that you would hear. <laughs> Don't know why that thought came in. Think of Toy Story and a little squeaker. He lost his squeak and you, know, and you squeezed him. And he wasn't getting his normal voice out. But if you, if you squeeze me, hopefully something good will come out. And that's my prayer for you this week. That you will find your song. That you will let Christ reign in your heart. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the song that you do give us. And we thank you for the songs that we sang this morning. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh God, thank you for your son. Help us to reflect on you, Father. Help us to soak in you. And again, Father, please help our state to defeat Proposal 3 that is straight from the pit of hell. God, give us the courage to stand up and stand firm. And we'll be able to do that if we have your song in our heart. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.